Hello, St. Peter Podcast, episode 53. You are listening to the Hello, St. Peter Podcast. I'm Amanda, your host. Join me as I talk to amazing people within our community, business owners, community activists, local leaders, and people like you and me who love San Pedro. This is a place where we'll share big ideas, discuss hot topics, and spread good vibes. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hello San Pedro podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Silva. So today on the show, we're talking about a very important issue, Um, one that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time, and um, I've actually reached out a couple times to this organization uh, to have them on, but honestly, there has not been better timing for this issue. Um, It has become extremely relevant, and that issue is domestic violence. So um, today on the show, I have Elizabeth Eastland. Um, she is the executive director of Rainbow Services, and she's going to be talking about this issue with me. As we know, um, you know, this pandemic has caused a lot of um, chaos, <laughs> and many of us are stuck at our homes. And in Los Angeles, we know that the Safer at Home measure has been in place for well over a month. I think we're going into two months now, and. The truth is, is safer at home is only true for some of us. Um, Many people suffer from domestic violence and therefore home is not the safest place for them. So I wanted to shed light on this issue. I wanted to talk about how, um, you know, I don't know if you guys have been seeing this quote or this meme, not even a meme, but it's been something that's been going around on social media. Um, Just clarifying that, yes, you know, we are all in the same storm, but don't get it twisted. We're not all in the same boat. Some of us are in very, very different and potentially dangerous boats, you know, whereas others of us are comfortable, maybe bored, but comfortable and safe in our homes. So I wanted to talk about this issue, highlight it and make sure that it gets the attention it deserves. I also wanted to um, just shine a bright light on um, Rainbow Services, which is a local organization in San Pedro that is working to getting people um, who have been in dangerous situations at their homes into safe environments. Um, so the work that they do is amazing. And I'm, I can't tell you how proud I am to have such an awesome organization in my community. Um, let me go ahead and introduce Elizabeth. Elizabeth Eastland, licensed clinical social worker, joined Rainbow Services as her director of programs in April 2006. She became the executive director in October 2015. Previous to Rainbow, Eastland worked for Skid Row Housing Trust as their director of residential services and for the care program at St. Mary's Medical Center in Long Beach. Eastland co-authored two chapters, including one on intimate partner violence and another substance abuse from a harm reduction perspective in the book transformative social work practice published in september 2015 trauma theory and harm reduction philosophy have assisted her in developing supportive housing programs working with individuals challenged by addictions and those who have experienced interpersonal trauma since 2017 rainbow services has co-led the domestic violence homeless service coalition with downtown women's center Eastland has earned her BSW from Cal State University of Long Beach and her MSW from University, California, Los Angeles, and 
became a licensed clinical social worker in 2008. I am extremely honored to have her as a part of the show, and I can't tell you how grateful I am to have had her um, experience and all of her knowledge uh, shed light on this important issue and also highlight an amazing organization like Rainbow Services in our community. So um, right after the break, we're going to go ahead and get right into the interview. This episode was brought to you by San Pedro Today, your local community magazine, bringing you stories from San Pedro. All right. Well, today on the show, we have Elizabeth Eastland. She is the executive director of Rainbow Services. Um, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for joining me today. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for reaching out. I'm doing okay. You know, it's Friday, so I'm uh, hopefully not going to work this weekend or try not to. <laughs> that what day it is? I mean, <laughs> it just feels great. <laughs> <laughs> I've been kind of losing track, but you know, definitely. This um, pandemic has just like thrown off all sense of time and regularity. How have you been holding up with all of this? You know, like I've, I'm okay. I'm like so grateful and fortunate to live in such a great place, to have an outdoor area on my property, to be able to walk the neighborhood and, you know, 10 minutes to get to the coast. And so I'm so fortunate. And those first few weeks were a blur. I think we were all running on adrenaline, trying to figure out how to get things in place to keep our business going and yep. then the anxiety hit once the adrenaline wore off and you know a little deep sadness for just the world and what's happening today but really just ultimately super grateful yeah i think you hit the nail on the head there was a lot of adrenaline what do i do running to the grocery store like i think there was a lot of panic buying and you know, we yeah. didn't know what the heck it was. And now here we are, you know, stuck at home and trying to make sense of all of this. And it seems like it might go on a little bit longer than we had originally thought. And the date keeps getting extended. So right. this uncertainty. And I think you're right. It's just making all of us, you know, anxious um, and stressed out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you're doing okay. I'm glad, you know, you have a home and you're, yeah, you're been, I, I try to think about that all the time that, you know, we're lucky to have a home and a space to feel safe in. Um, Absolutely. Which is what we'll talk about today. Um, but before we get into that, I wanted to ask a little bit about Rainbow Services. Um, I, I know I've known about it for a while, um, but I had never really got any, I, I was never involved in any way. I didn't really read too much about it, but I keep hearing about it. It kept getting brought up by people like Amber Shea Ginsburg, you know, who mm -hmm. um, does a lot of really good work in the community. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear more about Rainbow Services. Sure. So in the late 70s, the Harbor area of um, YWCA was hosting support groups. And what they were finding was a lot of women sharing about abuse in their homes. And so from there, they started just kind of more of the underground shelter where people were bringing women into their own homes to keep them safe from the abuser or the person that was harming them. Mm -hmm. and, and they, they made um, 
more formal programs. And in 1983, Rainbow was incorporated as a nonprofit organization, and we got our first shelter um, donated. Actually, as someone, a, a wealthy um, realtor or landlord uh, who owned a home in in the area wanted to provide shelter. And so he leased the first shelter to us for a dollar a year. And so we were able to house about 18 people at a time. And since then, we've grown to have an emergency shelter, a transitional housing program where people live in their own apartments, and a community housing program where we are assisting survivors with rent. Mm -hmm. And we have legal services, counseling, support groups, um, children's programming. And I think one of the hardest things about this pandemic was having to cancel all of our support groups because that's really one of the best ways that survivors are able to connect with other people. Mm -hmm. We'll hear more about the isolation that people feel, but you know, it was just heartbreaking to have to cancel support groups and one-on-one -on -one, um, in-person services. But we're still running, you know, our shelters and our hotline are still running and we're supporting people in hotels, but we've grown quite a bit just in the past few years with the ability to support people with their rent in the community and really realizing not everyone needs to come to shelter. If we can support them financially, then they don't necessarily fall into homelessness. Right. Or the shelter and then that opens up our shelter to be able to serve those who are fleeing super dangerous situations mm -hmm. and need to go immediately right um you know the the safer at home measure was just introduced recently and it started to pop up on social media that it's just not safer at home for everybody you know um mm -hmm. which is why I really wanted to highlight this topic because I think it's important for us to to really take time to dissect it and realize that it's here, it's in our own backyard. Rainbow Services is here in downtown San Pedro. And where are the different shelters located? Are they also so our, San Pedro? So our shelters are um, confidential locations, but our business office, yes, is in downtown San Pedro on 7th Street. And then we have a community education center on 8th Street where our legal team is and our administration is, but we have a room where we host trainings. Hopefully we'll get back to that someday. Yeah, I can, um, I know it. all the nonprofits and the businesses have just been completely thrown off with this thing. Um, but speaking of, you know, all of those things, how are you guys raising money for this? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've seen so many donations come through from individuals and from different grants that we, our grant writers are just writing constantly to be able to um, look at what we're eligible for in terms of the COVID response. And so gotten some really good grants um, in the $5,000, $10,000 range to help support us during this time. There's a lot of increased costs for supplies, mm -hmm. food, for a number of things, just even having um, additional hours for a children's program so mm -hmm. that kids are feeling supported. So we've been really fortunate to have such great support, though we are also looking at the fact that we probably won't be able to do a fundraiser this year. I mean, you know, gathering a hundred people 
Right. And even if we're able to, the fact that, that we may not get the sponsorships or the one of the biggest parts of our fundraiser is always a silent auction and yeah. the biggest sellers is always sports games, right? And then the restaurant um, gift certificates and we're just, I don't think we're going to see those. So yeah. but we, things have been going really well. I think we still need to prepare for the fact that, that it's going to get harder mm-hmm. where this goes on. And even once it's, if we, if it ever ends, um, just the economic impact mm-hmm. people and on seeing, looking at whether or not our government funding is going to decrease because of this. Um, yeah, this, I mean, the impact is going to be, I think, lengthy, like you said, and it's, it's just such a shame, you know, it's like the further you look down the line, you're like, well, is this going to be available? Is this going to be available? You know, is this going to be a possibility? You know, and they said they'll probably keep the social distancing thing in place, you know, for right. the majority of events for the next couple years. So I definitely see your challenge there. Um, yeah. I, I also, oh, sorry. Okay. I think the, um, the fact that there's going to be a lot more people in need, right? You know, as they, as people lose their jobs, whether or not they're going to be able to get retired, we're just going to see a lot more people in need. And those we already serve having more needs than we, you know, that we've addressed previously. Yeah. Um, you're right about that. You know, um, a lot of people have probably had some savings before this, but after this, you know, if they've lost their jobs, that savings is going to be, you know, depleted or at least used up significantly. Um, uh, I wanted to, before we get into the more, deeper dive into domestic violence, I wanted to ask how you got your start with Rainbow Services. Sure. So I was working in Long Beach at the St. Mary's Medical Center for a program called the CARE Program. I was a social worker and I was the substance abuse and mental health coordinator there. So I got my start in social work working at Skid Row Housing Trust. So I, I spent several years working in Skid Row for a property developer, a housing developer, and supporting their services there. So I, I knew I always wanted to get back to housing somehow. And when I saw the job opportunity at Rainbow Services, I applied for the director of programs because I, I also wanted to work with women and children. My career was really, had been focused on adults mm-hmm. and in working in HIV and AIDS care at the care program, I worked with a lot of, of men, some women, but I really wanted to work with more women and children. And with Rainbow Services, there was also, there's also the housing component, the shelter component. So mm-hmm. I applied. They eventually interviewed me. And I got the job as director of in 2006. Mm-hmm. And, and in 2015, I became the executive director. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad that you found something that you really wanted to do. Um, yeah. That's tough these days. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess that pretty much takes us into the topic of domestic violence. You know, I think people, you know, even myself are just, um, we hear these things and we see stories on the news, but it's somewhere else, you know, it's always somewhere else. 
and I wanted to maybe shed some light on how common domestic violence is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you would have any stats or numbers, but could you speak sure. to that a little bit? Absolutely. So the statistics are that one in four women and one in seven men will experience domestic violence in their lifetime, and that includes physical abuse. So that's pretty um, astronomical when you think about it. 25% of women are going to experience domestic violence in an intimate partner relationship. Mm-hmm. It just always has surprised me that we're not doing more to address it. It is definitely a public health issue, and we need to approach it in that way. Mm-hmm. I, I think. I think one of the reasons why this issue is so non-popular is because it's a really terrible reality, you know, and people just don't know how to deal with it unless they can directly help, you know? I think one of those things along the lines of, you know, child abuse and things like that, it's like we can't even comprehend it and we don't want to even think about it because it's awful. It's truly awful. Um, It's, you know, I'm, I'm happy to know that there is a, a resource here in, in our own backyard that is catering to these, you know, people who have these struggles. Um, yeah, and I, I just want to, I should probably highlight too, when you think about one in four women, one in seven men, think about all the kids that are, are witnessing that yeah. abuse and growing up in households where that's what they're learning, that that's what a relationship looks like. And so we really... At Rainbow Services, we we try as much as possible to teach kids about healthy relationships. I mean, the survivors too, as well, but to teach kids about what healthy connection looks like, Mm -hmm. they have a better chance of not getting into a bad relationship later on. That's that's exactly, I think, um, how a lot of our like societal issues, I think, need to be (laughs) addressed is with the kids, you know, because these we often just treat kids like these, you know, we shuffle them around and we have to get them in school and we have to do whatever. And they're often like our accessories or, you know, they're around us and we have to care for them, but we don't realize that they're absorbing everything in their environment. Everything. They're little sponges. (laughs) And, you know, young girls who see perhaps their mother being abused by their father might seek a relationship where they are also being treated that way. Is that, is that true? Well, and, and knowingly, yeah, that that's just the the model that they grew up with. So they may not have had other experiences of seeing healthy relationships and what they look like. Yeah. I think far the majority of kids don't grow up and, and get into those relationships. But when you look at the the survivors that we serve, they have had really adverse childhood experiences mm-hmm. prior to getting into abusive relationships. Um, one of my questions that I had written down was what are red flags that someone could look for if they are just entering a personal relationship with somebody, um, maybe an intimate relationship, what are some red flags, some things to know before you actually move in with the person, mix finances with the person, Mm -hmm. you know, um, get married with the person. What are some things we can look for? Well, I think one of the first things I think about is a quick push for commitment, you know, and when, when people fall in love in a lot of relationships, it's pretty normal that in those first few months of a relationship, you, you're spending a lot of time with that person. Maybe you're not seeing your friends or family as much. You're just with that person. That's pretty normal. At 
some point you do introduce that person, right? To your friends, to your family, you start going out in other social situations. And so if, if someone doesn't want to do that, that would be a red flag. If someone doesn't want you to see your family or friends or start saying that they don't like your family or friends, that could be a red flag. So the, you know, some of the, the signs may seem really normal in certain relationships, but in abusive relationships, it's really about the power and control. One person asserting power and control over the other. Right. I think about accountability. So in a lot of relationships, we say things that we are hurtful maybe, and eventually you, you take responsibility for that and you say, I'm sorry, like I know that that was wrong of me to say and for whatever reason. In, in abusive relationships, the person who's causing harm is never really taking the responsibility for that and is often deflecting responsibility to other people. So, oh, she made me do that, that whole thing. Well, when we think about it, in, in intimate partner violence, the, the violence is towards the intimate partner. So if this person has an anger problem, they're not going out and abusing their boss, you know, or their coworkers or other people of their family. They're really focused on that intimate partner that they're with. Mm-hmm. I think that anger issues definitely would be a red flag. I think that there's a lot of, um, oh man, what's the word I'm looking for? like lack of self-confidence, you know, and so that, that they try and overcompensate for that. But isolation is one of the biggest things, you know, to, and that quick push for commitment mm-hmm. is so one. Like if someone really wants to be with you, they'll wait, you know, and they'll take their time. Mm-hmm. And eventually then you, you grow the relationship. But if someone wants to get married right away, they can't live without you, those sorts of things, when they pop up super early in a relationship, then that that would definitely be a red flag. Wow. It's like I'm already just recalling things from my own past relationships, and I was like, wow, there's red flags there. And I know <laughs> my friends have told me things about their previous relationships, you know, things were like, mm-hmm. you like my family, and you never mm-hmm. wanted to go over there. You know, those are other types of red flags. And it's just crazy because that's just stuff we – totally overlook, you know, and kind of just think like, you know, that's something we have to deal with as a couple. No, these are deeper issues, you know, they speak to deeper problems and maybe the root of bigger problems later down the line. Wow. That's enlightening. (laughs) I I used to always ask people that I was dating, what's your relationship like with your mother? (laughs) Because, you know, I think people who respect their mother and have healthy relationships with their mother, that says a lot about a person, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas um, those that don't, and, and don't get me wrong, I know that there are people out there that had really horrible experiences with their mother, um, growing up and, so that's one thing, but it, being able to talk about it in a way that recognizes, you know, I didn't have the best of childhoods and I'm working on it. That's the person, right? To recognize it and they're working on it versus someone who maybe bad talks their mother or something. So I always think about that too. It's just, what's your relationship like with your mother? That's a good tip. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the other questions I had is how, how can we tell 
if somebody that we know that we love, you know, a friend or a family relative, how can we tell if they're not in such a great relationship mm -hmm. and maybe they're suffering from some type of abuse? Right. Well, I think it's sometimes it's hard because a lot of survivors will hide the bad stuff from other people. And part of that is protection, right? They want to protect their loved ones from knowing what's really happening. So it may be really difficult to identify, though I would say trust your instincts. You know, you know someone and something's just not quite right, or you notice signs that someone is being super possessive or super jealous, then call it out. And just the main thing is to make sure that you remain in connection with them. You have an idea of how to get them help if they need it or whenever they decide. And disclose that what's happening just to try your hardest not to be judgy about it, right? Not to be judgmental, not to say, why don't you just leave him? Mm -hmm. It's really asking, why don't you just leave him is putting the responsibility on the survivor. Asking, why is that person harming you? Mm -hmm. Not your fault that this person is harming you. And what can I do to support you in this time? Wow, that you know that's so true. I can already imagine, you know, scenarios where this would come up and of course, if I saw that my best friend was in a relationship that was not good for her, I would feel the need to like end this relationship. You need to get out of this. You need to you know, <laughs> just putting all the responsibility on her and mm -hmm. You know, I, I think um, even this has even come up in my own previous relationships, you know, where I've had to say, like, you know, you can't expect somebody to leave, like, if you're just yelling at them, too. You know what I mean? And right. you have to let them know. And then you have to kind of build their self-esteem to let them know, like, you don't have to suffer through this, you know? I think that's the frustrating thing about being a friend and seeing anybody in that kind of relationship is we know how wonderful they are. We see how valuable they are and we know they shouldn't be treated that way. But when right. you're in a relationship, you've already kind of been conditioned to not think of yourself as worthy maybe. Is that, right. yeah. Definitely. I think that's a, the thing, like another red flag is low self-esteem. If they're constantly looking for praise, like there's something off there. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, it, it's wonderful to praise your partner, but like to an extent where you feel like you have to all the time, that could be a red flag. Just right. like walking on eggshells too. Yeah. Brain, how they're going to react to whatever it is you're going through. Constantly having to feed ego, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. So I wanted to ask, um, what are some of the biggest challenges and obstacles that people who are already in abusive relationships, what are their biggest challenges? Why is it so difficult to, to get out of that type of relationship or their situation? Right. Well, I think the, the first thing we have to remember is that there is love there at some point, right? So... People have created a life together, a family together in some cases. So if kids are involved, that might be, make it extra hard to think about leaving. And then the economics of it all, like it's really hard to think about walking out the door and building a new life for yourself 
when you're living paycheck to paycheck or living in poverty, like many of the people we serve are, to, to be able to just walk away is, is not as easy. Mm -hmm. So um, those are the first few things that come to mind. And yeah, just see if you, if for um, people that maybe don't have enough income to support rent, you know, then it makes it harder to leave and mm -hmm. even to stay. And I think going back to the love thing, really hoping that the person who's harming you is going to change. Mm -hmm. Probably telling you, I'm never going to do that again. Oh right? my gosh, yeah. Yeah, so thinking about that hopefulness that things will change. I think people hold on to that. And, you know, that's just part of being human. You want the best for those the people that you love. And sometimes that's just not going to be enough. Yeah, I, I can imagine it's not easy just to that emotional struggle there, you know, because you did fall in love with this person. You've probably been conditioned to think very highly or whatever of this person. Mm -hmm and maybe lowly of yourself, you know, right. um, and ha even thinking that you're capable of leaving or, you know, needing them. I imagine that might be something they toss around, like you need me or. Right, right. You, like you'll never make it on your own. I think the emotional abuse aspect is almost, is worse than the physical because that's stuff you carry with you forever, you know, and, and so while bruises heal and it's really traumatic to go through a physically violent um, incident, the emotional abuse has been there way before something got physical, you know, so really breaking the person down and saying, you can't live without me. There's no way you're going to make it on your own. Those things that people really take to heart and may believe, start to believe it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it would seem impossible to leave. Honestly, now just putting myself in that scenario, I, I've been down in the dumps and I've only, I'm grateful that I had friends and family who were able to lift me up and right. be in a, a place where I didn't have that and only had someone being oppressive, you know, mm -hmm. there's no way, there's no way. But yeah. I, I'm really glad though, that there are resources like you who are open to those who can take somebody in who have been through these types of situations that just makes me so happy that somebody is there. Um, so we've kind of already talked about how the pandemic and the safer at home um, measure has impacted people who are in abusive relationships. Have you seen um, a surge in, in people reaching out or in reporting domestic violence um, at the home? So the, just this week, we've seen an increase in our hotline numbers. You know, those first few weeks, we didn't see an increase. And I think, I, you know, people were just probably settling in to the orders. But, I, but what we've seen is an increase in requests to discuss restraining orders and an increase in requests for rental support in our hotline this week, just or this past week, calls than um, the previous week. So we've been fairly steady, but now we're starting to see that increase in requests for help. Okay, wow. Yeah, I can imagine being stuck at home in that relationship really drives you to that breaking point, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most important things that people need to know is we are still providing services. Our hotline is still operating. Our legal services are still operating. 
And while most of the courts are closed, people can still file restraining orders. And if there is an incident in which law enforcement is called out, emergency protective orders have been extended to 30 days. So in before the pandemic, you could get an emergency protective order that was five days. And within those five days, you would have to file a formal restraining order. Mm-hmm. And since the pandemic, you know, we've realized that there's no way that people are going to be able to do that within five days. So the courts have extended it to 30 days, though people need to know that and law enforcement needs to offer that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really good information to know. Um, I can imagine during this time right now, it seems, with everything shut down and a lot of the courts shut down, it just seems like there's no way out, you know? Um, right. That is good to know. <clears throat> And we are still doing intakes. We're really fortunate to be part of the first couple of organizations to receive money through the LA City Mayor's Fund. So we've been placing survivors in hotels since the beginning um, and for several weeks now. And we do have more capacity to do so. So people can reach out to our hotline if they're wanting to leave. Sure, how long um, the funding will last, but the mayor's fund got a, a donation from Rihanna and the the CEO of Twitter to be able to house survivors in hotels. Wow, mm-hmm. um, you know what's funny is I did see like on social media that Rihanna was donating to right. yeah women who have um, or basically anyone who's been in domestic violence, you know, to organize. Right. That's awesome. And that's, it's nice to know that got, that reached home, you know, that reached even us and we've been, yeah. you know, benefiting from it. That's amazing. Yeah. How can the community support Rainbow Services right now? So we have on our website, there's an Amazon wish list and other wish lists. What we're doing for some of our clients who are, we're placing in hotels is we're doing welcome bags. We're we put together like tons of snacks and we provide gift cards and masks and, and different things. So they can support us by donating goods. Mm-hmm. We support a number of families in the community with food. So non-perishable items. There's also like a food wish list on our website. They can go there and, and check it out. So when they do venture out to the store, um, if they want to buy a few things for our, our clients that we're serving, we are still accepting donations. Our office on 7th Street, while we have minimal staff there, we, we are accepting donations, and then we're also providing those donations to clients. So we just ask that people call ahead of time to let us know when to expect them. Okay. that's. I think that's something that's doable. I think there's going to be a lot of people in the community who will definitely um, answer that call. Mm -hmm. Um, I think gift cards too are also always a great way to support us and straight out cash is always important, right? To, to just support their operations. Though I know a lot of people are struggling right now. Mm -hmm. So just always say for those who can, please do. And those who can't, we completely understand. Um, I wanted to ask something that kind of came to mind because I have a two-year-old, you know, and I have a lot of baby stuff that has, we don't have a place for or a need for. Do you take types of donations for children and young children? 
We do, but we really limit to new unused items. We just don't have the capacity to sort through used stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So mm -hmm. if I have so any- We appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> we, do, we encourage people to donate to the YWCA on, on 9th Street because mm -hmm. of the relationship with them and they often will allow our, our families to shop there with a voucher. Okay. So, you know, supporting them does support Rainbow. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so if you can, can you give us um, just the, the website and maybe the hotline number so people can get all of that here in the episode? Yeah, our hotline number 310-547-9343. Our website is Rainbow Service DV, as in domestic violence. Dot org. So rainbowservicesdv.org. Our main business line to make donations, you can call 310-548-5450. And just, you can let them know that, that you want to drop off a, a donation. Awesome. That's perfect. I'll have all the information in the show notes of the podcast. So you'll be able to, um, anybody who's listening who didn't catch it, they'll be able to scroll down and see all the information there. Um, that's amazing. I'm really, really grateful that Rainbow Services is here in our community. They are um, helping people in our community who are suffering and bringing them into a better life, which is, it's just awesome. Um, thank you so, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy woman, so <laughs> I, well, thank you, Amanda. I think it's really important. I really appreciate you highlighting this issue. Yeah. I, it's an important issue to highlight. So I'm, I'm really grateful to have an expert like you to mm -hmm. talk about it with us. Um, a local expert too, which I might add. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, the, in that case, I'll go ahead and let you go and let you get on with your day. Um, thank you again for your time. And anytime you want to come back, if you have a need that you want to share, you let me know and I will put it out there for all the listeners. Um, yeah. Anyway, I really appreciate it. It's been great meeting you and I look forward to, yeah, connecting again. Yes. And maybe meeting in person one day when this is all Someday. <laughs> Someday we will. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right. Well, thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye. guys I hope you enjoyed that episode and um, enjoyed hearing from Elizabeth Eastland I know I did I am so grateful that she was able to come on the show I hope to have her back in the future um, hopefully things will improve for domestic violence if you are interested in learning about uh, rainbow services um, please check out the links in the show notes I'm gonna have everything linked up so you can learn more if you're interested um, they could really use your support during this time so whatever you can give I'm sure it would be greatly appreciated. Um, anyway, please be sure to uh, share the podcast episode with somebody if you know they haven't heard it. Also, uh, don't forget where you will be taking voice memos. So uh, check out the information in the show notes to learn more. All right, guys. See you next week.